When we think of the future of leadership in sales, what, or rather who, do we see? Women in Sales Everywhere and Sales Loft have teamed up to answer this question, and let me assure you, there's no doubt that the future is female. I'm Sydney Sloan, Chief Marketing Officer at Sales Loft. And I'm Alex Adamson, Executive Director of Women in Sales Everywhere. We'll be sitting down with each outstanding female leader on our inaugural Future Female CROs list to discuss everything from their sales philosophies to how they keep their lives organized to how they unwind after a breakneck day. Together, we'll dig into exactly what makes each of these women so extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Greetings, hey, salespeople followers. My name is Sydney Sloan. I am proud to be the CMO here at SalesLoft. Today, we are excited. We have Jeannie Sabaroff here with us from Tapalti. This is our final installment of the Future Women in Sales Leaders sponsored by SalesLoft and Wise. And so we are wrapping it up with a strong finish, Jeannie. Let me do a quick introduction and then we'll have her introduce herself. First of all, Jeannie's sales career began over a decade ago when travel in sales led her to SaaS. Her two proudest achievements are taking a decade-long underperforming team and bolstering them to become the number one team in the region of the U.S., as well as creating a brand new organization at Tapalti. I think you've been there about five years now, where she currently serves as VP of Global Sales. Congratulations. It's now the highest performing and largest organization in the sales department globally. Jeannie, welcome. I'm sure I didn't do your career full justice, so why don't you color in the lines and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Great, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me, and again, for the honor of the future female CRO designation. I was incredibly humbled and excited when I um, received that designation. So thank you. Gosh, I can't believe I can say I've been in sales for over a decade, but I sure have. And it's been a really exciting, unknown journey every single step of the way. So things to know about me, I'm Philly born and bred. So I live in California now. That's where Chipotle is, but born and bred over on the East Coast. Yes, I'm a huge sports fan. So Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, I love them all. And I actually fell into sales after completing my master's in leadership development. Leadership is probably my number one passion, whether it's inside work, outside of work, just helping others develop into the greatest selves that they can be. And I originally worked in the university setting. So it was all about higher education and I actually fell into travel sales. Didn't really want to be a salesperson like so many of my colleagues that I speak with. And when I fell into sales, I realized I could really marry my two passions, leadership and competition. And so that's what I did. Uh, So I worked in travel sales for about six years, a lot of fun, was able to travel the world, which has now become such a passion of mine. Uh, And then I led myself over into SaaS, started at Glassdoor. They gave me a really good introduction into the SaaS and B2B selling. And I took that, was able to go over to Tapalti. And gosh, we've built such a huge organization. I think when we started, we were around 65 people total. Now we're gearing up to be about 800 at the end of this year. My organization, our emerging business group in the West Coast, really started from one small, gritty team that has grown to being eight different teams around the globe, led by different leaders at this point. And it's been really exciting. It's something that I never thought I'd have a chance to do. We're truly on a rocket ship. And I'm just really humbled and excited to be a part of that growth. So I've been with Chipotle, like you said, almost five years. It's been an incredible learning experience. And hopefully we keep going and keep that rocket ship moving. Good, good. So we like we have a tradition here at the Hey Salespeople podcast. And we like to start out with 
an easy one, um, but one that's helpful to our audience. So what are some of a favorite book or a podcast that you go to for inspiration and maybe an insight into one or two? Sure. So there's so many good books out there. I'm more of a book reader. Um, That's probably something I like to do in my spare time quite a bit. I try to read a little bit of a book every single day, whether it's fiction or it's maybe a sales book or even just like a developmental book. So that's something I try to commit to every single day. Gosh, but a favorite sales book, I'm going to have to go old school on this one and say the little red book of selling. You know, it's one of the first sales books I ever purchased. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's literally a little red book. And the principles that are shared within that book really, really resonated with me when I got into sales. I fell into sales. I had no sales training. You know, it was something very brand new for me. So I was looking to learn the basics. And when I started reading this book, I'm like, wow, every single one of these principles sound like me, sound, sounds like things I like to do. For example, kick your own ass, right? That is the number one principle. And I was doing that no matter when I was in sales or not in sales, going through school at my first job and always pushing myself to get better instead of comparing myself to others. It was comparing myself to myself, right? Month over month, day over day. Another one that I think this is one of the big reasons I love sales so much is getting people to convince themselves. I see every conversation as a way for me to provide you value to the point where you're actually selling yourself on something and now my hard work is done. So I'd have to say that is probably my favorite book. Every once in a while, I've got it up on my desk and I just kind of flip through it, get some inspiration. It's a really good one. So I recommend if you haven't read it, definitely get it, put it on your desk and read it. The second question we ask, and you may have answered this already, but I'm gonna ask you to go back and think about, you know, you say you fell into sales, but what was your first sales job? So funny enough, I was 15 and I was a telemarketer. I didn't even realize that was sales at that point. Probably the equivalent of what we would call a sales development rep or a business development rep in SaaS. But I was 15, I was in this little hole in the wall office and I was calling people to set up appointments for a home security system. So we would go to like trade shows and Costco and get people to sign up to win a prize and they would fill out their lead information. And the next thing you know, I'm calling them trying to get an appointment set up. At 15? At 15. I don't know if that was legal or not, but hey, it was a good job. I learned rejection and I learned sales pitch very, very early on. And I didn't even realize that I was learning that. And that's what I was doing at the time. But looking back, I think it set the tone for my type of sales persona that I use today. Awesome. So when we look back at the list, uh, you were coined the leadership aficionado. And as we were kind of getting introduced to each other, I learned also that you have your MBA in leadership. So this makes me extremely excited to kind of explore what leadership means to you. So maybe we'll start with there. Like, what's your foundational philosophy on leadership? Leadership is done through service and it's done through service to others, right? Without my team, there is no me. I wouldn't have a job. So their success, their happiness is my number one priority. And often when we become senior leaders in an organization, I'm sure lots of you who are listening have experienced this, your calendar gets crazy booked, right? You've got meetings on top of meetings and and sometimes that person-to-person connection can get lost. And so I always let my team know that at the very foundation, their success is my number one priority. And that's what I think leadership means to me. The second piece um, of my leadership philosophy is taking pride in a job well done. Control what you can control. So, you know, we're in sales. Things happen. You can control your output. You can control your attitude. You may not be able to control the result that comes back to you. 
at the end of the day, if you can shut your laptop down or, you know, shut your phone off and say, I gave 150%, I gave everything. There's not one thing I could have done differently today to get a better result. Then that pride in the job that you did is enough. And that's what, you know, I try to do every single day and say at the end of the day, yeah, I might not have gotten to my entire to-do list and that's all right, but can I be proud of the work I did? Did I help others be successful? Did I move the needle? And if the answer is yes, then I'm good for the day. We talk about this a lot. And it reminds me of a, a book by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning. It's an intense book. I highly recommend it. But it is the one thing that you can control is how you react. You have that choice. And I think this is a life lesson, not just a leadership lesson. One of the kind of core foundational cultural values at Sales Loft is glass half full. And what we mean by that is you have the choice of how you want to react in a situation. And so when given the choice, choose the positive path, assume best intent, like don't go negative. You don't have to, right? You can actually go positive, silver lining, lesson learned, seek to understand, like all these things. And, and I think it's so interesting having exercised that muscle, being able to control that or help your teams control that. Because frankly, I mean, we're in tough jobs, right? Like, and you could get beaten down and discouraged and tough times. And so, you know, how do you keep that positive mental attitude? And, and maybe like, if you have a story like that, where, because it happens to all of us, where you've had to coach someone through a challenging time, maybe when they got down on themselves or how do you help lift people into the positive path? That's a great question. And I'm certainly going to add that book to my list, you know, reading every day on my list. Uh, it's a great question. And we do have very tough jobs. And you know, one of the core tenets of being a leader is hiring great talent. And so on the flip side of that, I hire these amazing, driven, wonderful, passionate, smart people. And sometimes they can be their hardest critics. So this philosophy of trying to build people up and having them take pride in their work, even if the result isn't exactly what they wanted, is so, so important in our jobs every day. Gosh, there's so many different examples. But I'll share with you uh, one of my, my colleagues who reports to me. And he is a top-notch manager. I mean, talk about fantastic emotional intelligence. He is very creative. He's there for his team. He's one of his hardest critics. And so there was a time where sometimes he would get down on himself. The way that I try to help him right, see a different lens is by bringing up things that are going really well or things that I have seen or other compliments maybe from other leaders about him. And I bring those to light and remind him of those, right? Then I will also take maybe a potentially sticky situation, like maybe the results are not there right now, and turn it around and talk about the journey. So maybe the result isn't there, but let's walk through the journey that you're doing right now to get to that result. And let's identify all of the really positive things that you're doing that just one little twist of luck can make it the result that you want. And just reminding him day in and day out that he's doing a fantastic job. There are others in the organization that see that. And reminding him of all the really amazing things that he's doing day in and day out, but just maybe the result isn't there just yet. I've been at this probably a little longer than you have. And so, you know, that, that self-drive and tough love that, that I grew up when I went into the business world, you know, and, and again, kind of being your toughest critic, you know, we're leading differently. We're having to learn new ways that weren't the ways that maybe we were taught and coached around motivation. And, and, and yet you still have to hold people accountable you know, looking at if you have that honest, trusting relationship where you can hold people accountable in a way that is 
respectful and not discouraging and being able to remind them of the things that are going well, but hey, over in this area, like let's work on this piece or that piece. Let's check in a week from now or three weeks from now or whatever, three days from now to, you know, kind of make sure they're putting it back on, on the right track. I, I love when one of our teams, um, our SDR team does a fail Friday. So because failure is okay, right? That's where you learn from. And if, if people fear it, or if you're talking about it, then they're not going to learn. So we created Fail Fridays for like, you know, just the call that you crash and burn on. And, you know, and so everybody's there empathetic. And, you know, what did we learn? How could we have done it differently? This is what I would have done differently. And almost celebrate it as a way of learning because we all have it, especially folks that are just starting on in their career. I love that. I might have to steal it. <laughs> so we, you talked about reading a lot and you went ahead and um, you got your master's in leadership. How do you continue to learn about leadership? Do you have coaches and mentors? Like, how do you continue to invest in that part of your professional side? Great question. So a lot of different ways. I'm very, very fortunate to have some mentors from previous organizations, as well as I've got some really great ones at Faulty right now. And so I think being really humble and honest and open with people that you trust, whether they're a mentor or a trusted colleague, but saying, Hey, like this situation happened and this is how I handled it. Give me your feedback, your your honest, honest feedback. And sometimes they tell me some constructive things I need to do differently. And then sometimes they say, no, you know, I would handle it the same way. So I think being humble is the first step and asking for advice. And we don't know everything. No one knows everything, right? And so getting people that are maybe really good in areas that you perhaps have an opportunity and surrounding yourself with those people is a really good way of just continuing to exercise that muscle. For example, I'm actually going to be taking a leadership, women in leadership certificate uh, with the University of with Chico. So that's one thing that I've gone and I've, I've dedicated myself to because I really want to keep learning. And, you know, there's only so many things that you can do and so many programs you can take. So I identified this as being one that, you know, I already have my master's, but I want to get back in there and, and learn a little bit and share with other people that are in similar situations. And I'd say the third is just asking for recommendations on books. I and mean, I, I do really love to read. That's an easy one for me, but maybe for those of you who like podcasts a lot, right? You go on walking meetings, maybe, you know, have both of you listen to a podcast and talk about it. Those are probably the main ways that I try to stay sharp on that muscle. And it really just boils down, I think, to, again, being humble, to accept that I don't know everything and I am going to need to continue to learn as I continue my journey. How much do you think that's contributed? I mean, you, you've talked about the size of Tapalti since you've been there and, and you've grown into leadership positions. How much, of you, how much of that do you think has contributed to your personal ability to grow with the company? Gosh, probably quite a bit. Every experience I've had in my career so far has been additive. And I think that's really important for maybe those of you who are a little bit earlier in your career or even at my level being really specific and cognizant of what is the next step I'm taking. And it doesn't have to be a new job. It could be, um, you know, maybe it is going outside and finding a networking group where you can take a leadership position there. So I'd say my journey has been a bunch of different steps that have been very additive to my skill set. Who I was five years ago when I started at 12D, greatly different than who I am today. And I have learned so much. And I think it's because I've been so specific about what I'm doing who I'm interacting with and what I choose to spend that extra spare time on. Yeah, I think about people that have gone through kind of the the levels of leadership, right? You go from an IC to maybe a first line manager and then second line manager. And, you know, as you get to the C-suite, like 
just the needs of leadership are so different. And when you reflect back to like you being a first-time manager or coaching your first-time managers, what do you think are some of the critical things that they need to learn and and develop in terms of their skill sets? Thinking back to when I was a first-time manager and then I've got some, you know, first-time managers on my team as well. I would say the skill of being inspirational, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, being inspirational yet holding people accountable. It is such a fine line. Like picture the the tiniest tightrope in the world, right? And you can fall one way or the other where it's too much accountability and now you're micromanaging or maybe too inspirational and things aren't getting done. So you have to be willing to test and be willing to try different things and be really open with your manager, right? Because if you try something and it goes not so great, let's talk about it. Let's you know dissect what happened, what was good, what wasn't, what do we want to do for the next time? because it's really just a pure balancing act. So I think that is incredibly important. Find that tightrope within your own personality that really fits for you. I look at management in a couple of different buckets, right? So there's the sales management piece of it where you have to know how to negotiate really well and you need to know what our ideal customer profile is, be able to know how to really use an SC and work together with them. These are sales skills that a manager has to excel in. The second bucket I see as more of a inspirational, motivational coach bucket. And that is how do you inspire others? How do you lead them? How do you have really effective one-on-ones so they can move forward in their careers and they can become the best version of themselves? Um, How do you run team meetings, right? How do you hire? How do you train? How do you retain your talent? So that's the, the motivation bucket. That's number two. And then number three is more of the managerial duties, right? There's certainly things like approving PTO requests, (laughs) Uh, you know, maintaining a really tight sales force and making sure it's clean, you know, having different spreadsheets and running data and analytics to inform yourself on how your business is performing. What are the trends and what can you use that data to, to do to improve the business? So that's more of the managerial bucket. So I see it as those three buckets and you have to And sometimes you might be focusing more on the inspirational bucket because that's what your team needs right now. You need to be that coach and that mentor to them. And then things shift a little bit and you go more towards the managerial because you've got some time to spend on data and you really want to get a feel for what your 2022 plan will be. So I think there's a lot that goes into management. Frontline management is the hardest job and I applaud everyone who does it. You really are the leaders and the inspiration, you know, for me, at least at Tefalti. So managing all of those different buckets, becoming an expert in all those different buckets takes a lot of time, a lot of humility, and just a lot of passion and love at the end of the day. I think that was awesome. One of the best answers I've gotten to that question. So really netting it out, there's three parts about being a manager. And when you think about it from a first-line manager, first-time first-line manager perspective, really thinking about the sales skills that you and your team need to develop what is the motivation aspect? How do you inspire and coach your team, hire, train, retain, all those pieces of really strong team development? And, and really that's, you know, the trust and motivation aspects of, of the team development. The part, you know, the administrative duties that we all have to do in terms of managing, managing our systems, managing our data, making sure you're running the business in a way that is is responsible. And I agree with you, like frontline managers, that transition is so hard. And so many times. 
I see great salespeople and they go, oh, they're a great salesperson. Let's promote them to manager, but they're actually not built for management. And so I also applaud people who are like, you know what? I don't want to be a manager. I'd love selling. I love serving customers. And that's where my desire and interest is. And, and that's okay too. Everyone's brightness of future is a little bit different, right? And so I think also it's our job to help people realize what that future looks like and where will you shine your brightest. Um, and it's really exciting. You know, not everyone needs to be a manager. There's lots of other different paths. And I think, you know, our job is to really help them get there. And for like SDRs, like, you know, what's that predetermined path? So people know if I achieve this, I do this, I do this, I get promoted. And and you get that those quick wins, those kind of six-month jumps that that's needed in that role because it's a grind. Um, but then you also have to have it if whatever system, AE1 to AE2, it, you know, like just really making sure that people feel like they're continuing to to learn and grow in, in the career and creating that space. Last question for you is, and it is about you and, and your path. And, you know, we selected you as the future, a future female CRO, but I, we, I don't know if we asked if that's what you want to do. So when you think about your future, what does success look like to you? There's so many different paths out there. And I'm a big believer in just because it doesn't exist, go create it, right? Go put your thoughts down on paper. And the worst that someone could tell you is no, hey, we don't have the budget for that or you know, well, we don't need it at this time in the organization, but you're putting the ear out there. You're at least putting the idea out there in the universe. So, you know, there could be a path for me that I haven't even thought of yet. What I do know is I would love someday to lead an entire organization. So that's most likely some sort of C-suite position. I am passionate about helping people get to the best versions of themselves that probably could be in sales. I also love improving processes. So, you know, maybe it doesn't exist yet, but it's some sort of chief, you know, anything officer, chief sales officer that has a little bit of operations under them, but also some sales. Also, what's really important, it's got to be a product that I'm extremely passionate about. And Tapalti in particular is solving real problems for people. So I'd want to work for a company that I feel really, really good and really passionate about selling their product and just contributing to the overall mission. You know, I don't know what the path looks like yet. I know I want to progress in my career and I've got to have, those are my must-haves believing in the mission and the values and being able to get out there and help others. So hopefully that looks like a, some sort of chief sales officer at some point, chief revenue officer. Well, the only time will tell. Yeah. And, and my advice always in that case is like, go interview a couple and find out if that's exact, you know, learn, learn what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and I was reading an article, it was interesting the other day from the Bridge Group talking about the different kinds of CRO needs as the company sizes grow, which I remember the last one was strategic. I mean, the second one was more on, on selling and scaling. But, you know, as the companies get bigger and bigger, the needs of the CRO and, and the supporting team continue to change. I also uh, just saw a LinkedIn post the other day that Joe Tiernoff put out there from Pendo. He was talking to somebody and he's like, oh, all these jobs, how do you do it all? And this person answered, I don't do it all. I have a person that does this. I have a person that does that. Is that leadership, right? Where we're setting the vision, we're steering the ship, but at the end of the day, one person can't do it all. And so how do you put a great high-functioning team of passionate leaders around you that you can inspire and guide. And so I think for me, that's the definition of leadership. So Jeannie, thank you so much. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is our last 
podcast and this topic. And it has been such a journey. I just want to thank all of the future female CROs. You'll see all of them posted in this blog and we've run this series. I want to thank Wise for their co-sponsorship with us. Some of my key takeaways and lessons, just a couple of shout outs. My conversation with Pia Heilman, she talked about how she partners across the business to improve customer experience. And as a sales leader, you're not just running the sales team. You really are learning how to direct the organization to help you serve the customer. Another lesson from Laura Palmer, she shared her lessons for how to hire for leadership and reminding us that we also need to coach our best performers. Don't let them, just because they're great, run on their own, that they need your help and attention as well. And last but not least, Priya Voss inspired me on how she learned how to merge her personal and professional versions of herself. She talked about how her husband would listen to her when she was on work calls and she had her professional voice. And then she turned around and talked to him with her personal voice and he brought it to her attention. And, and I think that's really something that we're all learning now is like, how do we bring just our whole selves to work? And, and that's okay. And to be, as you said, Jeannie, you know, humble and open and looking for feedback um, as we all evolve as human beings. And I think, you know, ladies have an advantage to that. And that's why the future looks bright for our future females to be in these leadership positions. And I'm inspired by each and every one of you. Thank you. And congratulations again. And that's our list, 15 highly successful and wildly inspirational women we know will be rising in the ranks as their careers progress. We hope you found inspiration in their stories and maybe even a few new self-care tips. Until next time, this was Sydney Sloan from Sales Loft. And Alex Adamson from Women in Sales Everywhere.